Bernie Mac. Ashton Kutcher. Some in-laws were made to be broken. Guess who? Spring 2005. Columbia Pictures and Regency Entertainment presents a Three Arts Tall Trees Catalyst Films production, Guess Who? Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random banter, random banter from the pain, yeah. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me tall tales, and or tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. A little bit of Aerosmith there, mm-hmm. running away. Right? Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing there. I'm going to notice a reoccurring theme on these for a while, I'm sure, until I run out of things that I can do with the word runaway, and then I'll do something else. I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I appreciate it. You are making an effort, my friend. Well, um... <laughs> because we're doing runaway, so yes, we're doing I'm going to try and tie so as many yeah, runaways yeah, 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 as yeah. I can. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I mean, we just finished with Christmas. It is yeah, the did. week after Christmas, and Santa Claus came and brought us some nifty new things. Uh, I got myself some more comic books, uh, filled up some more of my back catalog of X-Men graphic novels, our, oh, gra- nice. our trade paperbacks, and mm-hmm. so I'm getting those filled in a little bit where I want them to be. And I also got myself from one of the newer collections. I got uh, Charles Xavier with the Krakoa era mm-hmm. Cerebro on his head, and I got the Jean Grey, kind of classic Jean Grey. So I got those over there in the over there in the corner. I'm kind of happy about those. Um, oh, nice. It was a little lighter on my stuff this year because we are yep. we got a big trip coming up. So mm-hmm. so my wife didn't want to spend that much money on me, and I spent a lot of money on her and my daughter. And well, that's just how things roll. And and, and that's how uh, equality works. You gotta believe it, man. You gotta <laughs> yeah. believe it. We went a little bit lighter this year too. It was kind of nice. Yeah. Still took all day to go through stuff. When you have Christmas with a kid, sometimes it might just run all day, and you got to take a break in between to get a meal. We started on doing some stuff, and and my wife had some uh, German pancakes that she was making in the oven, hmm. and so we we opened a little bit, then we stopped to eat, and then we mm-hmm. went back to opening things, and then we stayed inside and watched movies, and I think I got my family all caught up with all of the old Spider-Man movies. Ooh, the uh, Sam Raimi stuff, or the Sam Raimi stuff, and the okay. Amazing Spider-Man movies. Oh, and, um, I like. Uh, the Sam Raimi stuff. I gotta say, I went back and looked at the uh, Andrew Garfield stuff, the Andrew Garfield, and mm-hmm. I actually liked them more than the first time I watched them. On second viewing, I actually enjoyed them. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I introduced Hillary to the Spider-Man movies with the Andrew Garfield stuff, and she's like, whoa, this guy is nothing but red flags. Those girls gotta go away from him. He is trouble. <laughs> and I agree fully. So, <laughs> See, I, and the thing is, I wasn't... I really wasn't getting that from him. I was. I would actually get that a little bit more from Tobey Maguire myself. There, there are some things that I think the Andrew Garfield ones suffered from, but I liked his Spider-Man. I liked him playing Spider-Man, hmm. and I thought that for the time period and when the movies came out and his interpretation of us Peter Parker from that time frame, I kind of liked him. And okay. I also really, I really liked Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. I thought that they had a lot of good chemistry together. Well, they did have good chemistry together because they were dating at the time. It helps. Yeah, it, it doesn't helps. hurt. So. And I just, I really did think that they had very good chemistry and it really came across and it made, spoiler for all the movie from a long time ago, Gwen Stacy's death at the second, at the end of the second one, uh, that much more painful. They did the Gwen Stacy death really well. Yeah. Not I don't think they th- did the Green Goblin well at all, but I thought no, that they did. No, uh, no. no that was terrible. No, no, uh, I didn't like I the Green Goblin. They in did there. that really, really well. I like the the stretching out, you know, the web shooter that he, you know, the yeah. web line that he's shooting down. That you know, it's kind of expanding out and looking like a hand that's reaching for, yet still being a web. And it, that was, they did a, a really lot good job of that, that stuff was really good. A lot of the fight scenes were really good. Some of the character choices, not so much. But <laughs> no, I, I give the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man a second watch because while not the best 
they're not Spider-Man three. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that suffered. Spider-Man three suffered from the problem of jam it in there. Yeah, is yeah. what it boiled down to. Yeah, after watching the Andrew Garfield's ones and Spider-Man three and all those in a row, my family and I all agreed that Spider-Man three is the weakest of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was <laughs> by uh, a long shot. Anyway, so. there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other good gifts that you got at all before we move on to this book? One of the parts that I'm going to miss about the uh, holiday season being here is we did up a, uh, a gingerbread. It was actually a chocolate chip cookie house and iced it and candied and everything. And I'm going to really miss the going to probably be tomorrow time frame where I can't just walk through the kitchen and punch part of a house out and eat it. Because that is just that's just tabletop treat that you can just wander by and go, think I'll eat a wall. Crunch. If I if I may mm-hmm. put out a, a thought to you, there is nothing to stop you from doing that, except yeah. for the fact that the Surgeon General has said that a punching a wall in your house is not good for your hand, and two that plaster is not good for your digestive system. Yeah, they say that, but they've never eaten a tiny tiny house before. So, Jeff, uh, can you please give us a two-cents replay from last episode? The girls of the Runaways decide to go on a recruiting mission. So, they beat up some construction workers and one of the construction workers' kids in what has to be one of the worst recruitment drives I have ever seen outside of when the Great Lake Avengers tried to do one. Luckily, we later meet some other kids in superhero rehab, including Julie Power, that will probably fall off their super sobriety wagon and team up with the Runaways at some point. And we also unluckily see a from-the-future time-traveling Gertrude Yorks pop in on her younger self to give her a save-the-future murder mission before promptly dying as her time in the script was done. Now that the Julie is currently a 15-year-old that lives on her own in L.A. to become an actress and to get her innocence back, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what her power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to uh, stick your chin out, reach in that paper bag and get ready for what I'm about to lay on you. I'm reaching over. I'm grabbing a bag. I'm crinkling it bad for bad audio. I'm pulling a can out. I'm pulling out Portland, Oregon, Old Town Brewing. Nice, established MMXI. Oh, where does the time go? Pillow Fist, hazy IPA. What a great name, Pillow Fist. I love it. Take that pillow fist right on your chin, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. I I needed to have something in here, and I picked this up, and I was like, I I think that this will work here because one of the main characters in this book, and one that I'm going to talk about at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. is Chase Stein, who uh, he's got a couple of... Pillow uh, fists. Pillow fists that he likes to throw around. He uh, he starts off with some nice fistigons. He doesn't use it in this series that much, but he, he thinks he's all tough and stuff. And he's always got his his little pillow fist ready to throw down. So yep. I, I thought that this would be a nice little, hey there, Chase Stein, how you doing? Yeah, he's got a great line in here, which is, I say we track him down and play a little, you know, play a couple of rounds of who's your daddy with his face. <laughs> It's like, what does that mean? I mean, I know that you want to punch him a lot in the face, but what? (laughs) Chase is ridiculous. Yeah. So far, uh, he is my least favorite character of a bunch of characters that are questionable, in my opinion, anyway. (laughs) Oh, that's an IPA. This is an IPA. You can smell that. 7.5% ABV, 68 IBU, Old Town's take on the New England-style IPA, massive whirlpool and dry hop, additions of the mosaic and citra give this IPA a saturated, juicy aroma and flavor. Think pineapple, orange, Sauvignon Blanc, and mango that bursts from the glass. Portland, Oregon, if you go in downtown Portland, we have, uh, there was a building downtown. Uh, it was the White Stag. I think it was a... Yeah, it was White Stag. Boy, I'm trying. I want to say it was White State Clothing. That sounds correct, but I'm not going to die on that cliff. But it, but they had this giant neon sign. It was right on the waterfront, and they had this stag, this neon stag that was there. And every Christmas, that neon stag would have a red nose on it. And when the building got sold and White Stag was no longer there, Portlanders said, "No, no, 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 no." We want that neon sign to stay. And so yeah. this it's guy's got... It's with an outline of uh, Oregon, isn't it? Yeah, now it's got the wood yeah. outline of Oregon. But back in the day, it had the nice egg there. It's nice. It's a little, uh, yeah, it's a little regional landmark. You go yeah. over the Burnside Bridge and into uh, downtown, and you're like, there it is. And right past it is uh, the uh, like homeless shelter. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Burnside Bridge... There's a lot of good ideas there. Yeah, there's a lot of good. And then it goes, uh, then right past that is the uh, Chinatown. Yeah, 
Burnside Bridge and Burnside Street right there in downtown Portland. It's a beautiful thing to see if you never look down below head level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, but on that street is uh, Pal's Books, you know, yes. city block of a bookstore. Yep. It's amazing. When you get up far enough. This is an IPA. It's got the very strong, very IPA yeah. smell and taste on it. It does, in fact, have kind of a, a pineapple scent going yep. along with that very, very hops scent to it. That yep. very that very juniper bush. And as far as the taste goes, pineapple and hops. Uh, the mean mister was mean to my tongue because I was going, I was like, mm, yes, I do taste the pineapple and I was going to agree with you fully. And then the hops came in and the hops is a bully. I said oh. pineapple and hops and that's all uh. it is. I, I get, you get pineapple, you get hops, you might get uh, the Sauvignon Blanc. Maybe there, that's part of that stinging that hits there. Oh, the orange boy. and mango, the orange and mango, they, their, their lunch money has been taken. It, yeah. It's the citra hops. You can kind of tell that it's the, yeah, the citra hops are yeah. there because a citra hops is always funny to me because it tastes like an orange seed, not an orange. It tastes like the seed that you get out of an orange. You're eating an orange and you get the seed in there and you go like, ah, ah. Gotta spit this thing out. That's what citra hops always taste like to me, but it, it's there. But man, yeah, that the the hops has stolen everybody's lunch money. The pineapple's yeah. kind of like kind of holding its own, but it it fades away pretty darn quick. That is, I'm gonna take another sipo and uh, see if your, it's your, doing your it again. Your tongue's gonna cu- settle down a bit there. It's gonna take a little while, but the third mm. effort- <laughs> 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 Mommy, no, Mister's mean. The third or fourth <laughs> sip, it's going to come down for you a little bit. <laughs> 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 uh, I feel like my daughter when I'm asking her to do stuff she doesn't want to do. Ah, it's it's worse. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. I can't I'd stop being mean to me, beer. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to the opening credits if, you, if we can. Runaways, issue number two, May 2005. True Believers, chapter two. Credits. Writer. Brian K. Vaughn. Penciler, Adrian Alfona. Inker, Craig Young. Letterer, VCs Randall Gentile. Colorist, Christina Strain. Associate Editor, Mackenzie Cadenhead. Editor, C.B. Sobolski. Editor-in-Chief, Joe Casada. Publisher, Dan Buckley. Guest starring, Excelsior, Lightspeed, Julie Power, Darkhawk, Chris Powell, Green Goblin, Phil Urich, Ricochet, Johnny Gallo, Turbo, Mickey Mushashi, Chamber, Jono Starsmore, and introducing Victor Mancha. Hey, Rick, you are supposed to be starting with the stars of this book and you completely skipped them. Well, Jeff, I am glad you asked because boy, howdy, do I have a treat for you. Click. Okay, Rick, first of all, I didn't ask anything. And second of all, (laughs) oh God, not a slideshow. Click. So really quick, here are some pictures from Christmas with my family this year. Click. So proud of how we decorated the tree this year and the presents. It really makes it pop. Click. And here we are making some cookies. Hey, Rick. Yeah? Look at my face right now. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Click. 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 Okay. Starring Nico Minaru, seen here doing some magic stuff. Click. Gertrude Yorks, chilling with her pet dinosaur, Old Lace. Click. Carolina Dean, being a being made all of light. Click. Molly Hayes, lifting some villain over her head. Click. And then the frog, the runaway's transport. We should explain that this little slideshow is being given by Mickey, who, at this point, explains that they do not have a picture of Chase Stein, but... Since he is the getaway driver, and his parents were mad scientists, he must be the brains of the operation. (laughs) Ha! Ha, indeed. The Excelsior support group is being given the lowdown on the runaways, including how they have popped up at the same time as the spike in crime. They know that the runaways are the children of the pride, the former crime lords of L.A., but they do not know if the kids are good or bad. God, I can't imagine how Pack would have turned out if my folks had been evil. I would guess that a good writer and a good artist could have a ball with that IP, but that's not what this book is about. No, the group of former child heroes are discussing the runaways because they have a mysterious donor who is paying them one million dollars to get these kids safely off the streets. Hang on. Is someone paying them to be bounty hunters? 
Because if so, I am not sure how I feel about that. First instinct, cool. Second thought, possibly illegal. Third feeling, money, 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 money. Okay, Rick, I'm going to pull you back into the comic and remind you that this is a group of former kid heroes who are trying to recover from being heroes. As the co-leads describe, this is not, contrary to all appearances, some excuse to get them to become a team of superheroes. No, they are all going to put on their costumes and do some light kidnapping for money for a one-and-done gig. Just think of all the good they can do with the money. Like finding a better place to meet besides Phil Urich's cousin's garage. Well, the sales pitch works, and reluctantly, the whole group signs on. Minus Phil, since his Green Goblin suit is all brokened. But this gives them a guy in the chair. And everyone needs a guy in the chair. I'm a guy in a chair. Rick, we're both guys in a chair. Meanwhile in a tar pit. Home with the Fighting Dead future members. Picking up from last issue, the Runaways are still looking at the dead corpse of the Lady from the Future. Chase is really shook by all of this and is still holding the said corpse, who he believes is the future version of his present girlfriend. Wow. Comics! Not everyone is convinced that this is all legit. Others want this to quit. I just want out of this bit. Well, let me help you. Chase decides that the solution to this problem is magic, and he demands that magic happen. Chase has no real power himself, except for white male privilege. So he uses that to yell at Nico. Someone is really trying to cement the worst character for this run, huh? Pretty much. Nico does explain that he can rant all he wants except for two problems. She tried to resurrect before, and it didn't work. Her prior attempt was trying to bring back Alex, the sixth member of the Runaways. The guy who betrayed them all, and who was her boyfriend. With the staff only allowing one casting of one spell, and death apparently being the limit of what it can do, they gotta try something else. Molly has an idea. Why not use magic to make sure that all of this is real? Nico agrees and says, flashback, while touching the corpse. And we get a futuristic flash-forward flashback. Future Gert is trying to assemble the Avengers, but it appears that they are all dead. One person who is there is Hizako Ichiki, aka Armor from the X-Men. They commiserate on how badly they messed up trusting a guy who killed them all. Victorious. Then he shows up and the flashback ends. Okay, the truth checks out. Mysterious guy is horrible. They need to take him out. You are a bloodthirsty little dude, ain't you? How about a more subtle approach? Like finding him and beating him up, and telling him that violence is bad. Well, let's just say that they all have choices. Later at East Angeles High School. Home of the fighting high schoolers. Nobody is fighting here. Give it time. Well, two of the non-fighting high schoolers are Victor and Jorge. They are watching a football practice and talking about Jorge doesn't want his friend to transfer to a different school. He would go insane without his buddy. And who else will he get to try out for the archery team with him? Wait a minute. Is Jorge a Johnny-come-lately Hawkeye fan? Jeez, I gotta tell ya. Someone gets a Disney Plus subscription, watches some really great Marvel series, and then they're like, Oh, I've always liked the vision. Owen Wilson was made for that role. Bucky and Sam's sister would be great together. I'm an OG Hawkeye fan. La 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 la. <laughs> yeah, Vic agrees with you. Except in this case, it wasn't a streaming service that bandwagoned his friend. It was the death of Hawkeye. He says that Jorge did the same thing with Tupac after the fact. Wait, Hawkeye died? How and when did that... You know what? Not important. Vic also says that Hawkeye used to be a bad guy, and that deep down he probably still is. It's like his mommy always says, when you grow up wrong, you usually stay wrong. Foreshadowing. You're soaking in it. Well, it's been a while for that one. But what we are actually soaking in is the leapfrog interrupting football practice with a calm-inducing croom and Gerd getting on the PA to tell everyone that they are looking for one Mancha, Victor. She wants the football brats to tell her where he is so that they can return to their ridiculous ball chasing. You're right. This is a calming start to a round of diplomacy. I am sure that they will continue in this vein and have a soothing round of discourse. Energy Forum Carolina then flies to him says that they tracked him down from this photo of him in the yearbook and that they want to talk. Surprisingly to everyone named me, this is where the parlay unexpectedly breaks down. With energy crackling from Victor's mouth, he yells, Get away from me! Then the metal bleachers he was sitting on form into a giant metal hand and mimic his movements too. Spack. Slap Carolina away. On a scale of one to five Powerballs, how odd was that? For me, a comic book reader, I would give it a 2.5. For these boys, 
maybe a strong four. Jorge wants to know how Vic did that. And Vic says that, yeah, he wants to know too. Smash cut. Meanwhile at Los Angeles Times. Home of the finding crime reporters in the Not Morris days. Phil Urich has received a call from their mysterious benefactor. He has called to firstly insult the name of Phil's support group. And secondly, to tell him to gather up his team of, uh, not a team of superheroes, and head to... Smash Cut! The football field of East Angeles High School, where Carolina is flying through the uprights after Victor's mighty metal slap. Touchdown! With energy glowing out of his mouth, Vic tells Jorge to get out of here, and to tell his mommy that he is sorry if anything happens to him. Chase declares that the diplomacy portion of this encounter is over. Ya think, super genius? And that it is time to beat the life out of this freak with his bare hands. Nico and Molly pat him on the head, say that's cute, and then send him on his way to check on Carolina. So here's what he gets interesting. Vic approaches the group and gives up. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. He doesn't know what's going on. And holy cow, is that a dinosaur? It is at this point where everyone starts to... Uh, calmly crowd him. He warns them to get away as he can't control whatever's happening to him. So, Molly crowds him even more, and then... Zack! Molly gets sent flying. This sets off Nico, who diplomatically attacks him with a Rockstar spell, which he jumps over, which the spell then hits Old Lace, which takes out the dinosaur and Gert, who suffered the psychic backlash from it. Vic is just amazed that he jumped so high. Nico's response to this is to then kick him in the chin, knocking him out. Well, so much for just asking him a few questions, she then says. Everyone seems mostly recovered, except for Vic, from this wholly unnecessary fight. The biggest victim is Molly's hair, which is all staticky and poofy and is about to be arrested for a fashion violation. Hey, speaking of wholly unnecessary fights, guess who just showed up? That's right, the suited up non-team of not superheroes. The Defenders? No, Excelsior! Mickey and her Turbo guys is telling the Runaways to get their hands off the boy they just beat up and to start acting their age. Do you really think that this is going to erupt into a wholly unnecessary fight between the two groups of not-superheroes? Well, why don't we leave that up to our listeners? If you think that a wholly unnecessary fight between the two groups of not-superheroes should occur, text or message us the number one. If you think that a wholly unnecessary fight between the two groups of not-superheroes should not occur, text or message us the number two. Operators are standing by to tally your votes. Okay, so Jeff, um, I got some notes for you here. First, mm -hmm. I like the enthusiasm, but mm -hmm. there's like a handful of problems with this. What, 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 like what? Well, for starters, uh, we don't have any operators standing by. We are not a live show. We will have produced the next episode before this one airs. And finally, this comic came out like in 2005. So whatever is going to happen has already happened. Oh, uh, well, uh, what should we say now then? How about we just say, next issue, True Believers, Chapter 2. No, I always get to say that part. Well, bummer for you. I'm going to say this part, too. We got themes of the issue. And we're going to start with the cover. Because the cover is awesome. <laughs> the cover credits are by Joe Chen. This was drawn by him. And this cover of Runaways number two shows our mysterious bad boy, Victor Mancha. And he is uh, standing there looking quite all cool. And behind him, there is a bunch of panels of different superheroes. It's like they've been painted on the wall. He's got kind of a 3D version to him. But on the back, it's like the, the these villains are all on the walls. And we've got Magneto, and we've got Doc Ock, and we've got Kingpin, and we've got the Red Skull, and then we've got Doctor Doom down below. So it's kind of saying, hey, this guy is the villainous our to-be-villainous son, we guess, whose father was a, a really well-known supervillain. And so here are your choices. Who could it be? Who could it be? I agree. It is an awesome-looking cover. I do like it. And it's a really interesting because the, the background characters are that cartoon style, while the front character, Victor, is really, like, photo-realistic drawing. The, the way I kind of see it, it's like somebody is standing in front of a bunch of old videos playing because it, it's got that here's the yeah. old school it, here's the yeah. old it, it, it's the difference between the, the young kids and the young hip kids and the old 
school villains. So th- there's a lot of things going on here. I think Joe Chen does a good job with this. I mean, mm-hmm. the photorealistic may or may not be your cup of tea, but I like how he has created a really interesting conversation piece there. It's great. I really like that. I can also see this as a, a cool kid in front of cool tagging spot where somebody's doing awesome old school uh, comic book art on a wall. Looks almost like comic book graffiti to me, too. You were saying video screen. I see it as graffiti. I think either way, it looks really good. Yeah. No, it, it, it does. It does. Let's talk a little bit about inside the book now. We got a few things that are going on here. Yeah. There, there's a lot of a talkie book more than an action book. I mean, we have mm-hmm. one action scene at the end, but really a lot of this is just, it, it's talking, it's set up. This is issue number two. Mm-hmm. We're, we're building up the story for a, a six-issue run is what we've got going on here. And we're setting a lot of ground for a lot of things. So that that's fine. One thing I noticed is that we've got kind of an old trope that is used pretty well in here. It's just a trope that we mm-hmm. see a lot. Mm-hmm. It's somebody has come from the future, so we have to change the future trope. It's the Terminator trope, if yeah. you will. Yeah, and basically no matter what happens, the future is going to get changed. It's, right. it's an elsewhere book. It's a I do like the fact that a girl from future comes back and says... Uh, you have to change the future here now in the past. Now I die. And they're kind of like, huh, we should probably bury the body before daytime comes and the museum upstairs opens up. Well, (laughs) these are the things you think about when you live in this world. (laughs) To be fair, it is something I have thought about from time to time myself. If I am stuck with a dead body, where and how am I going to bury it? Mm -hmm. But perhaps I have said too much. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I know how to do that, or other friends have discussed that in depth, but uh, (laughs) maybe I say too much. A couple things to remember, you need friends to help you bury the body, and never forget to bury the shovel that you use to bury the body. (laughs) Just saying. Please sign up for my TED Talk for more great ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to us for more parenting advice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trope that is well-known. It's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, they're able to do some fun things with it because of the magic aspect of, of, well, first, the magic aspect of, hey, I want to resurrect a body. Nope. Already tried yep. it. Not going to work. Yeah, mm, it didn't work then. Odd. Won't work now. Uh, yeah. And it's a, you know, I can only do one spell. But the flashback to get verification that this is true. Uh, so I thought that was a good idea. I like it's, that It's idea. great. I would have liked to be a little more precise and get a mm-hmm. lot more information. Like Yes. Who exactly is this? Where mm-hmm. exactly is Sarah Connor's address in today? Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of Sarah Connors in the... Mm-hmm. I mean, Victor Manchez in the phone book. <laughs> so, yep. so that would have been nice, too. But I, I think it was a nice little talk, or a nice little aspect of this. Yeah, it was like... It, it was a riff off of uh, the old Heroes show. You know, kill the boy, save the world. Yeah, but this is better than Heroes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never really <laughs> liked that, actually. I thought everybody jumped on that bandwagon talking about how great it was. And I'm like... I still like Lost better, and it's going to be, yes, I love superheroes, but it's doing all the same things that are just, that triggered your, your love for the other stuff, and now you're frustrated with them, and you're going to get frustrated with that, and hey, guess what? It only took one whole season for him to go down the toilet. So. <laughs> now that we've upset all the Heroes fans out there, <laughs> what is the proper way to approach someone for a talk? Okay, grab your team. Find Check. them when they're not expecting it. Check. Jump out of the sky in your jetpacks or Check. in your giant frog van. Yell out stuff on your PA system. We are looking for Victor Mitchell. Now, to be fair, to be fair, the last time they tried to do a soft approach, they had a big fight with the Wrecking Crew. Yes. But it's the Wrecking Crew. I mean, you kind of got to expect well, that one. You know, but I, they also went into that one. They didn't quite go. They Okay. Yes, they, they did. Very, yes, they did. Mm, uh, no, kinda. they went in. They went in. They were showing up outside, and they, they very politely said, mm-hmm. Hey, you horrible people, stop being evil with this young boy. Okay, that is maybe not they, what they said. Maybe what they, they said could, was. Maybe, maybe they could have done it a little bit softer. No, what they said was, Hey, village people, give us the kid. We don't care if you take the money the bank's insured. Give us your boy. And again, not so good with the diplomacy. They don't do the speaky-speak too goody-good. Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, you gotta give them a break. They're young teenagers. They were raised by supervillains. They were raised into a privileged families. They Hmm. never had to deal with this stuff before. It's just, you should be able to think this one out. If you show up at a high school, if I drive my truck into a high school band practice and yell for a child's name, odds are people are going to be like, 
is that a dinosaur? You know, so. you know, you know, Jeff. <laughs> you didn't read the first run of this book, and so you kind of mm-hmm. you may have missed it. That these kids, they never make the right choice. Okay. <laughs> oh, hence the name. They run away from good decisions. Pretty much. Yeah, Pretty that's what they seem much. like they do. We are setting up for what the end here is, thanks to Excelsior being set on their own mission of good choices and, and great mm-hmm. ideas. We got good guys versus good guys to stop the future bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you got to have the good guys fight. And, and when I said wholly unnecessary fights, this is what this has been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just for how they're doing their diplomacy to everything else. How about this? What kind? I understand there's going to be some money involved and that they could use it to help out their Excelsior Club. But you are a recovering alcoholic. So to make sure other people don't drink, we all got to drink really hard for a while, okay? Um, um, I think think their idea is that (laughs) they're trying to get into better headspaces. Yes, and, but if you show up as a bunch of capes, you are going to exacerbate the situation, yes. which is, I'm pretty sure, surprise, surprise, maybe not, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Well, I, I think they've, they've got a lot of problems anyways, because they've been meeting together as a, as a group to talk about the problems that they had. They haven't been meeting as a group to practice working their powers no, together. No, no, they're going to fumble all over each other. So yes, they may have they may have experience over these other kids, but I'm gonna go ahead and say right now, it's not gonna end well because they don't have teamwork. Yes, which is I think Molly Hayes's uh, superhero name. Because <laughs> that's what you need, baby. You need yourself a Molly. That's gonna be great. Well, trout some fools. Speaking of greatness, speaking of what is great, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about some gallery of greatness. But before we do that, before we do that, we should actually talk about person in this issue. Let's talk a little bit about Mr. Chase Stein. So Victor Chase Stein, he's also known as Talkback. He's, of course, one of the original members of of the Runaways. So he is the son of Victor and Janet Stein, and he is always been portrayed as the dumb athlete. So he does know athletes and stuff. His parents want him to actually be, you know, more into the sciences like they are. Uh, His parents are the mad scientists, the, the really big in fantastic inventors of the group and they're very intelligent but uh chase doesn't have that he actually is fairly decent mechanic he can't really invent too much of his own thing but he can do really well on fixing a lot of stuff most things he is actually a good pilot he actually he knows where his strengths do lie in the fact that he can run the gadgets and run the machines that help out the runaways. So that's kind of his thing. But he has a really tough job of fitting into his role. He's not a good team lead. He really runs, you know, with his fist, and he's not that strong either. He, once you take away any of his weapons, like his fistigons that he had, or any of the equipment that he's got, he doesn't become really important. So he's got to kind of grow from where he's at. He is dating Gert, but it didn't start off that way. Gert was always in love with him because he was the dumb jock. And it took him a while to realize that, hey, you know, nobody else really cares about you, but she does. So maybe you should pay attention to her. So it took him a while to kind of get that through his thick skull. Once he did, then he did fall in love with her and he fell in love with her hard. His one good characteristic is that he will always die for his friends. He's not the smartest guy. He makes bad decisions, but he does love his friends and he will always put himself in the wrong situation to protect his friends and to try to be there for them. The problem is, is that he's the weakest man for the team. So he's got that going for him, but he's, we already have an idea about where he's going to end up as being one of our most despised characters, which is understandable. But I think that he also has a good place on this team. You need a chase on this team. You need a chase on the team in order to channel some of that bad energy sometimes or to have somebody be the the person who makes the really wrong decisions. Yes, but also possibly the wrong decisions for the the best of intentions. Yes. And the fact that they know that he is in fact there for them. Yeah. That's a little bit more about Chase Stein. Let's go ahead and talk about Gallery of Greatness. Let's talk about some of the pieces of art in this book that need to be pinned to our walls. Jeffrey, talk about a backup joke, my friend. 
My backup joke one is on Marvel Unlimited, page 18, and I call it, And It's Through the Uprights! <laughs> and this is after <laughs> Victor's uh, bench fist has slapped Carolina uh, across the football stadium, and it looks like she's flying through the uh, through the goalposts at the end. <laughs> so... Touchdown! She, touchdown! Actually, field goal! Shout, shout out to John Madden. Rest in peace, brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 that just happened. That just happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a good one. It's it's a good it's a good piece of little physical comedy there. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of neat. It's also funny that Carolina gets smacked and then they smash cut to the paper that Phil Yurick works at, and then they come back and she's still in the air. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know. It was a good hit. It was a good hit. Uh, my, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he swung for the bleachers. No, my mistake. He swung, swung with, with the bleachers. The bleachers. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I see what you yeah. did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> if we go to page seven, kind of you know the beginning of the book, it's actually a little bit of a sad scene. It's where Nico is talking about how she tried the resurrection spell to oh, begin with, and then and, yeah. and she puts and she conjures up this kind of hologram of Alex. Yeah. And then she crushes him. She crushes him like her dreams. <laughs> no, that that is good. That was that was that was a short list one for me. Yeah, I just found it funny because it's this really touching scene, and she just crushes him, <laughs> crushes little Alex. Yeah. I crush you with my dreams. Yeah. Oh, speaking of dreams, let's talk about my dream number one joke one, which is on page twenty. All right, and I call it. And it's through the uprights, <laughs> part two. <laughs> See what you did there. See what you yeah, did there. Yeah, it's a callback. I need a third one for the joke to stick. So this is where everyone started crowding Victor, even though he's got energy shooting out of his mouth, little sparks and stuff. And Molly really crowds him. And he's like, get back, please. I can't control myself. I, Zax. And Molly goes flying and her hair is all poofy. And her princess power fun hat goes flying off. And oop, what's she going towards? Oh, it's the end goal. Yeah. It's the field goal again. It's through the uprights. <laughs> yeah, he's got one play on his on his side, and that is to uh, push people through the uprights. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you? I would like to take you back some pages and back to the future, my friend. That's right. I'm talking about page nine. And it's this picture. It's an entire <laughs> splash page that's going uh, on here. Oh, it's, it's a goodie, yeah. And I call this one, I am the total package. So this is back in the future. And they are looking... <laughs> 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 and Kurt and Armor are looking at Victorious as he's standing there in his glory. He's, he's kind of floating above them. There's like the smoke below him. And he's got energy crackling out of his hands. He's got this long cape and his costume has got this giant V that points to his package. So what is your uh, top best one, sir? <laughs> Prominently on display. Well, now it's just going to be this this page and this page over and over again for uh, comedy reasons. <laughs> My backup top one is on page 22, and I call it It's a Good Kick. And this is the top panel, and it's when Nico is uh, introducing Chase's chin to her stiletto heels on her lolly boots. I just thought that looked really pretty cool. I would call that one uh, sweet chin music. Sweet, yeah, I could have called it that, but I've used that joke many a time, so yeah, I wanted to yeah. do something else. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. My backup good art is a few pages before that, the prelude to the first touchdown kick. And I call this one, Give Me a Hand. And this is yep. where... It's on page 16 of Marvel Unlimited. And I call it tell it to the hand. <laughs> and I, 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 these are two good pictures actually, but it's where Victor like scrunches his hands and the bleachers all bend together. It's really good. It is. It is really great. It's neat. Yeah. And it, it, what's really cool is the first one you see it, it's just like, oh, the bleachers are all bending, but you know, that kind of looks like a hand. And then you look at the second one and you're like, yeah, that's totally yeah. a hand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, yep. Yeah, same here. The, yeah. That's, my top. Well, that was my backup one. My top one is actually the final page, and I just called uh. the last page. I had to. It's it's mm-hmm. Excelsior showing up. It's a good team picture. They are all just nice and front and center there. And yeah, you got Lightspeed, Darkhawk, Turbo, Ricochet, and Chamber, and it's just it's it's a very nice picture. They they all yeah. look really good there. I'm I'm not as stoked about how Turbo re figured her armor i don't think it looks as good as the uh, previous turbo suit no I, I agree with you on that one i i agree 
but I still like how they all appear together. Oh yeah, no, it, it's it, this this also was a short list for mine because it's like, oh, that's cool. You get the anytime you do the kind of team glory shot, it usually is pretty good, and this is a really pretty good one. Yeah, let's talk about some rubber and glue moments because we are dealing with a whole bunch of childish children here, oh, and there my are goodness, times yes. that there are some good childish insults here. So let's go ahead and talk about what our backup ones are. And if you go to page eight. I'll tell you a little bit about mine. This is where Chase and Molly are having a conversation. And Molly asks a good question about this Victor guy. Well, what if his dad is Voldemort? And Chase responds back, <laughs> Voldemort isn't real genius. This psycho's <laughs> probably the son of the devil or Dracula. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> it's, the Voldemort isn't real genius. That's the insult. But then it points it up with his own self-own by saying that the psycho is probably the son of the devil or Dracula. So, yes, until you start realizing they're in the Marvel universe right, and you're like, because right. I was the same way with that. And I'm like, except Dracula. Oh, Dracula is in the Marvel. And the devil is real in the Marvel and universe, the devil too. is home, but, but Mephisto. The thing is, huh, on a, okay. On, on a, in a universe of unlimited possibilities yes. like Marvel Universe, let's not just assume that Voldemort isn't real, okay? Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody said, Voldemort robbed a bank, you would be like, it might be Mysterio, but it may have, in fact, been Voldemort. Crazier yep. things have happened. Yes, yes, yes. What is a good one for you, my friend? On page 19, it's when Chase is ready to throw down and you know, so much for your peacenik plan, Gandhi. I'm going to beat the life out of this freak. And uh, Gandhi, who is Nico, is his resp her response is, uh, with what, Great White Hope? Your bare hands? If you want to help, go check on Carolina. I just like Great White Hope. That, that was that was my top <laughs> one. With what, Great White Hope? Oh, I mean, that's... <laughs> bravo, yeah, it's like, bravo. It's like, hey, Chase, what are you... Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> Chase, come on, you know... No, I know it's it's adorable and it's great and very much cheesemo and mm, yeah, very manly. But Chase, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's, I like it a lot. What, what's your well, top one? That was my top uh, funny one. Yeah. So. Well, I am sorry that I stole your top. No, no, one. no. It's good. It's not, great. I, I, I'm lying to you. I'm not sorry about it at all. My <laughs> top one is on. <laughs> my top one is on page 14, and this is after the leapfrog has landed in uh, football practice, and Gert is on the PA yelling, "Attention, jocks! We're looking for one of your classmates, Victor Mencha. Tell us where he is, and you can return to your meaningless ball chasing. Meaningless ball chasing. It's like, yeah, Gert, I feel you on that. I'm not a big sports fan either, and that's." Uh, <laughs> Man, about the most disparaging way to talk about it. So, yeah, good job. Good job. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, we've talked about some good insults. Now mm -hmm. we have to talk about the most popular and the most shunned. Mm -hmm. Identify the kid who's the best and who is the worst in this issue. We'll start with the worst, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. pretty much think I know who you're going to pick. I don't think you do. Okay. Who do you think I'm going to pick? I'm going to pick Chase. I thought you were going to pick Chase. I want to, but I'm not. Okay. I'm saying it's Chase because he is just being Chase. He is being very yeah. much Chase, this one. The White Hope, I mean, he he's going in with his fist. He is very much... I, I shouldn't probably be giving him this much grief because he is leading from a place of passion and concern for a future version of his current girlfriend. So... <laughs> <laughs> he's just not thinking it through. And, and and I'm like, you know, bring it back a little. Bring it back mm -hmm. a level, Chase. Bring it back a level. So I just, I really had a problem with him in this issue. Okay. What about you? I, I fully understand why. I'm going to pick somebody who surprised me when I picked them, and it's Gert. Okay. And that is because she perpetually wasn't believing that, you know, she came back from the future to warn them of their future, whatever, you know, how time travel works. Sure. You know, and she was also the one that was just like, huh. Hey, Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. I've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I know how time travel works. Of course you know how time travel works. You've seen a DeLorean. I'm not even saying a movie. I'm just saying a DeLorean. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you have. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, she was the one who was just like, huh, well, whoever this is, they're dead now, so we should probably dump the body before daylight happens. Her grand plan for going and talking to Vic was to make the largest violent spectacle possible and then yell insults at people while saying, we're, we're looking for this person. Bring us this person. Heads will roll. She didn't say that. But as a leader, she was not a calming influence for anything. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot going on in in this story so far. And also a, a little. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, but also a little. And it's hard to really, for me, to grab onto any of the characters. Because they're all kind of uh, there. And they haven't really 
had a big chance to really get fully fleshed out yet. So best, worst, it's kind of a little tricky for me. But just kind of her blaseness with it and her, oh, this is the way that we should go and talk to a person. It was almost like she didn't care and she wants to, wanted to instigate turning this person into a villain. It is interesting because I have I have the entire run of Runaways here. I think I might be missing yeah. some of the most recent trades. But mm -hmm. I have read all of the other runaways i've seen majority of the tv show so i've got a really good handle on these characters okay. and you are kind of coming in right in the middle of the story mm -hmm. so I, I this is very interesting getting your your perspectives on these characters uh in contrast to mine i'm not saying that i'm the person who knows these characters the best but i know them more uh, better than you and it's mm -hmm. it's interesting how you've got a different take on them I, I and not saying you're wrong but this is part of comics you come in the middle of a character you have to get caught up on why they act like they act. Mm -hmm. For best, I'm choosing Nico. She took down Victor uh, with some yep. sweet chin music. Mm -hmm. uh, that's in my notes. Uh, flashback spell, <laughs> putting yep. Chase in his place. Yep. I, I got to give Nico all the love in this one. What about you? She also was saying how she was like, no, we can't go in there violently. Violence will only beget violence. And uh, there's a good chance that we'll create the villain that we're trying to stop. Yeah. So I also picked Nico, but again, it was a little hard for me too. Yeah. Just because of some of the stuff that she wound up doing and everything. But yeah, I picked Nico as well. Yeah. One thing about the Runaways is that I don't think that there's. I kind of feel that they're a lot more human than a lot of other characters in Marvel Universe because they actually come across as a lot of flaws. There's yeah, it's uh, that was always the thing between Marvel and uh, DC. DC was paragons of everything, while Marvel was. A flaw wrapped in a cape. Yeah, yeah. And this is really, they don't even have a cape. It's just, <laughs> you, your kids got flaws, you got issues, and they need to be resolved. And, hey, looking into the future, you're going to be leading the, the Avengers and everything with all the Captain Americas and stuff. That's great. So, odds are, there will be growth. And also, the entirety of a person's life is for growth. But especially this stage of your life. You're really trying to figure out who you are. And these kids have had... A lot of trauma that they've had to cope with yeah. and deal with and so trying to work around that is going to be very difficult and hard but they obviously have room for growth yes we have room on our list our mm -hmm. top grade list to mm. rank this book because we're kind of starting over here a little bit with all of our other issues of alternate comics so yep. anything that's got less than the full range of power pack is in there and since we have one member of power pack we need to rank this against other books with one member of power pack and that right now is number one wounded wolf from uncanny x-men volume two number 205 and runaways volume two number one true believer what came right before this jeff i'm feeling that this is probably in the third spot i think that this is good still i think this is continuing to tell a story but i, I think that the the first issue is still a little bit better. What, what's your feelings on it? I could agree with that. The other one, it although it had the same kind of number of uh, various beats because you got, well, you got Excelsior and you have the Mysterious Caller and you have stuff with Victor and Jorge and you have Runaway, you know, it's da -da 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 -da. it's kind of bouncing all over the place. There's a story there, but it's kind of, it's very, there's a wide net being yeah. cast right <laughs> they're, now. They're, they're building blocks of the story yeah i have a feeling that we're going to have more of a conversation next issue just because we will start having some resolution to things that have been set up for the first two issues so the question will be the first two issues set this third issue up is it starting to pay off now you know and, and is this better than what what started it so i think that we're going to start getting into a little bit more nuanced with with the stories yeah and all three of these storylines ought to be overlapping at that stage too right I fully agree that this is a good third place. It is in no way a new Wounded Wolf. This is still a good book. I still am enjoying mm -hmm. this. I hope you are enjoying it, too. I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm reading them. They're decent. It's We're now hitting the era that some, a lot, a few, at least some of our li listeners have talked about and been like, oh, I really like da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. I don't know about this relationship. I don't know who this person is. Who's what now? What's where now? Why, when, what? You know, so. <laughs> Let's talk about some more what and where and whys. And uh, Jeff, how is your tongue doing on this beer, my friend? I can drink it more. I have actually knocked my glass down and topped it back up and I'm sipping at it. It's still, it's an IPA. Yeah, I'm going to say that the more I've drank this, at least right now, it's hitting that perfect sweet spot where mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it and I'm not getting the real bite of rust nails. I'm starting to. Yeah. It's starting to come in, but it's not cloying and it's not being annoying. So I'm, I'm enjoying the beer more than I have on some of the other IPAs we've had in the past. 
it was a hard start for me. Mm -hmm. It's still not what I want, want, but I am drinking it and I'm kind of like, just like, oh, I'm reaching for it. I'm sipping some down. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I get the flavor in. It's very much more just, it's an IPA. It's got some of that pineapple. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. I, I would say that this is a, a middle of the road, a little stronger IPA. There's nothing flashy, nothing special about it. It no. is just an IPA. Yeah. It's got some good flavors that are in there. It's not wowing the socks off me, but I'm also not angry at it. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm leaving this at about 3.5 for myself. I'll go for about a three. I'm not violently opposed to it. It remained what it was on that first sip and second sip and basically third sip. I would rage against this beverage. It is because no. One of the things that is nice about it is that it does actually feel like a beverage on my tongue. There are plenty of beers that I've had before where it's just like, this is dry. I'm drinking it and I, I want fluid and I'm not feeling that even though it's a liquid. It has a fluidity to it. Mm -hmm. It seems like a moisture beverage. It is, it's something you can drink and it's like, oh yeah, I got some, I got some liquid there that I can wash things down. Yeah, I don't know. It's very IPA. It's not the most offensive IPA I've had. It's not the best IPA I've had, uh, which is surprising to say because I'm not an IPA drinker except for the past three years. So, <laughs> Man, so, the guy who yeah, got it, you to drink IPAs, I tell you. Uh, that's so-and-so. When I <laughs> track him down and find out who that was, Rick, oh, <laughs> you and me, we're going to go visit that person. Well, let's move on then if you, we can. Mm-hmm. And to move on, we have to have Rick talk to his 11-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good, and you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. We're here to talk about Runaways again. Okay. So, we've got the next chapter in this book, and what have we found out now? That there's... That in the future, there's going to be this very evil kid called Victorious. Yeah, that's right. And Gert's come back in time, and older Gert's come back in time to stop him, and then she dies. That actually happened last issue, but we I find know. out that it's true, right? Right. Okay. I mean, what do you think about that? What would you do if you found out that somebody was going to be evil in the future? Would you go back in time and stop him? I would try. Cool. You're awesome like that. Do you have a time machine? No, but how would I know about that? I don't know. What are we talking about? Mm hmm Okay. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, found out that Victor, who is, like, 20 years from now, will be victorious. Yeah, you can right. see the name Victor Horius. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know that he had powers, and it's kind of freaking him out, and he doesn't mean to hurt anybody, but it's kind of happening, you know? That's right, because runaways show up at his school, and they confront him. And he's like, I thought I was just this ordinary kid. And uh, his powers come in and he smacks Carolina, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> With metal? Well, he uses the bleachers, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. Kind of cool powers, isn't it? And then he smacks Molly around a bit, too. and Well, he electrocuted her because yeah. she said her hair got staticky. Yeah. Do you blame Victor for acting like that? I mean... He can't really help it, can he? No, and also he was... It wasn't really the best way to approach him, was it? No. Runaways are not, they're not smooth, are they? No. <laughs> they're kind of like kids, aren't they? Technically, they are. They are kids. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of immature, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay, because we've got other kids around, right? We've got Excelsior, right? Right. What do you think of that group? What's, what's going on with them? Well, they're after the runaways. Why? Because they think they're evil. They've been told. They've been asked to, right? They've right. been asked to go after them, and they've been and they're given. They will a be lot given. Of money. Yeah, they will be given a lot of money for it. And they've already been sent like a lot of money in advance. Right, right. So they're after them to try to get them. Do they want to be a team though? It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, and they also don't really want to be superheroes that much. Right. So it's kind of like two things that they've never really we're thinking about and they kind of just joined you know yeah they aren't really a team they're just a bunch, a bunch of people of, yeah a bunch of people just with powers yeah but it's nice to see julie in her suit again right right yeah it's changed yeah it has it has changed a bit what do you think about her new look it's not bad it makes her look more teen like because yeah. that's kind of the style yeah she looks a lot more grown up she looks like a teen <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions about this book not really. Are you still enjoying this series? Yeah. Oh, wait, I just remembered one thing. Okay. 
That one guy, he had fire all around his... Yeah, chamber, yeah. Chamber? It kind of looked a little awkward, didn't it? Yeah, so Chamber is a mutant. He's uh, known for being on a few different X-Men teams. And he has this power of this, this internal psychic energy that's inside him. He lost control of it, and it burned away his mouth and some of his chest. Oh, wow, that's actually kind of... <laughs> Yeah. So when he's talking, the reason why his word bubbles are so weird is he's actually talking into people's minds because he's a right. he's a low level telepath and he can he can communicate communicate with people with his mind. Yeah, he doesn't really have a mouth. That's scary. Yeah. He a doesn't like disturbing. it. He doesn't yeah, well he doesn't like it either. And I can't blame him because no. that doesn't sound very comfortable at No. All. He's not happy. He's not a happy person. Mm-hmm. Well I wouldn't be if I lost my mouth and some of my chest. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be happy with that either. Make sure that when you get your psychic energy, you make sure you control it and you don't let that happen to you, okay? Okay. All right. Any other questions? Um, not really. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Uh, thank you. I love you. Love you too. Ah, Carrie. <laughs> so glad you were able to join us. Thank you. Shout out time. We love to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in and or leave us a review. This is for episode 97, where we covered <sighs> Power Pack number two, volume four. Power Pack volume two, number four, Ascension. AJ, certified mass mystery. Al Sedano and his podcast, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Chris at Bat Books. CH Zero. Clinton Robinson and his podcasts, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Craig McNichols. Donald Ferguson, who points out that this comic has the only letter that he has ever sent to Marvel. And guess what? They posted it right here in this fourth issue of the miniseries. So, that's pretty darn awesome. That's really awesome. We've got another listener who, um... has had a comic posted that we've uh, covered. I think Charles Garros was the other one. Yeah. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Daw. Jerry McMullen and his show, The Worst Comic Podcast Ever. Nicholas Prom and his podcast, Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio Show. Sean Ross and his podcast, Secret Wars and Beyond. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his very excellent podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles and his show, Mario and Waffles Talk About Things. Wandering and and of course, we have to give out our ongoing shout out to our Patreon fans, the ones who give us money so we can keep doing this crazy thing. Adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on, our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, and... Ah, my monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon of Jeff, me, and my scary, scary passport picture. Woo-hoo. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Represent all one word at gmail.com and our website, Jeff and Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please review and rate us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, share your love for us, and visit us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We We love love you. you. 
Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Hey, did you know that this is our 100th episode? Yeah, I know that this is our 100th episode. That's cool. Happy 100 episodes, Jeff. Happy 100th episode. Let's cheers. Yay! Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Divermento. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Coptic.com and is licensed at Creative Commons by Attribution for Pono License. Let's just oh. move on. Okay. Third sip is starting to get a little... Yeah, it's becoming more subdued with the third sip, but... Oh, Jeff, boy, howdy. Jeff is not happy at the moment. Zach. You just got that? No, you I got to, it you before. You had to say it out loud No, I, it? I got I got it before. It's just that I then... And while reading it, and I'm like, oh, that's right. This part. Rick was proud of himself, I'm sure. I'm sure he was all tippy-tippy-tappy. I went, oh, 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 me. How eloquent. No, no, it's actually, it's great. But yeah, I, I realized it before, and then I just flubbed it this time. And I'm like, oh, nip. There we go. Zach. Aurora, please don't hammer on the door or knock on anything. I need you to not be making the noise you're making, please. Then I apologize, Aurora, but Herbie, I need you not to be making the noise you're making. He says to the cat because the cat listens to me as well as anybody else in the house does.